Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. From KQED. From KQD in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Olga Hazan is a relentless social psychology reporter who churns out big stories about human behavior for The Atlantic. But her news story for the latest issue of the magazine is about her own behavior. I've never really liked my personality, she writes, and other people don't like it either. So she set herself the challenge of changing her personality with a three-month regimen of -of out-of-character activities. Did it work? Is it even possible? You'll have to hear it from her. That's next, after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Personality is one of those modern concepts that we pretty much take for granted. You know, someone's an extrovert or an introvert, a bit neurotic, open or relatively closed to new experiences. You know, we have this folk wisdom about what generates those differences from birth order to that old relationship saying, you can't change someone. Some people swear by the old Myers-Briggs test or they use the increasingly creepy language of the alpha dog. And if the top line for Olga Hazan's new Atlantic story is about the changes she tried to make to herself, the bottom line might be that how psychologists think about personality has changed. And that hasn't quite filtered out to the mainstream. Here to discuss herself and the rest of us, we're joined by Olga Hazan. Welcome to the show, Olga. Hi, thanks for having me. So what is personality? Like, is it even a real thing? Yeah, well, personality is definitely real. Um, Scientists usually say that it consists of five factors, which some of which you kind of rattled off earlier. Um, So it's it's conscientiousness. So like how like on time and organized you are, extroversion or how sociable you are, uh, agreeableness or how like warm and empathetic you are. Um, openness, uh, and or which is how receptive you are to new ideas, and neuroticism, which is basically like depression and anxiety. So, you know, there's all these ways that, all these things that people think, you know, influence personality. Um, like, let's just go down some of them. Like, birth order. Like, do, is there any evidence that, you know, you know, you know first children, or, ah, yeah, like a middle child... Uh, supposed to be sort of more attuned to other people's needs. You know, there's all these kind of folk things. Is there any evidence of that? Yeah, there's so there's not. And I am like the biggest person of, you know, I always was like, oh, he's a typical, you know, oldest child or typical only child. But there's like actually nothing to that. Like, uh, like your birth order doesn't actually say anything about your personality. Really? Yeah. What about, you know, how about your, like, your upbringing, like your parents, uh, you know, are your parents immigrants from another country? Like, could that change something? Because right, your parents are Russian, yeah? Yeah, so my parents are immigrants um, from another country. And, and it's not like your parents have nothing to do with your personality. So like 30 to 50% of like, the differences between two people's personalities are attributable to their genes. Um, but it's not like your parents can totally like shape your personality by like making you do violin or something like that when you're a little kid. Like it's it's really like not that simple. And and kind of the evidence of this is that, you know, usually when people have siblings, their siblings end up being pretty different from them. Like they're not um, 
are not really like exactly the same, um, which you would think that two people raised by the same parents, if mm-hmm. parents had that much influence, would be really similar. Yeah, I think most parents can attest to the fact that they can't. There are certain things about their kids they can't change, even if they wanted to. Um, <laughs> yes. And that just seem to kind of like be there uh, from the very beginning. But what about, you know, things like socioeconomic status or like, you know, extreme childhood stress like that? Those must have some effect on people's later personality. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So so things like um, uh, like being, you know, growing up really poor, um, you know, that can that can affect your personality. Um, even even sometimes um, some studies have found things like uh, growing up with a lot of air pollution, like lead exposure in the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of thing can make you like uh, less agreeable, for example. Um, uh, but um, you know, if, if we're thinking about like like the kind of normal range of things uh, that happens, um, most of those don't have a huge influence on your personality. So if if you're like a uh, you know like a parent who's who's thinking about you know violin or, or tennis lessons, um, you know, you don't have to worry that one of them is going to make your kid, you know, get into Harvard and one of them is, is not because it's, it's just not going to have that, that big of a difference. That's so interesting. You know, one of the researchers that you talked with said, you know, we can think of personality as a learning process. What, what does that mean? Like to, to think of it as a learning process? Yeah. So part of like, so there is this like, yeah. So like once you hear like, well, it's not entirely your genes, like people are like, well, what else is there? Um, And I think um, kind of the rest is sort of like how you interact with your environment, basically, and, and kind of what you learn from your environment. So let's say I, this is true, as a kid, I was like, uh, like, not very inclined to smile, like I was just not very smiley as a child. Um, And uh, so people were always telling me like, what's wrong and like cheer up and like, you know, stuff like that. They were kind of like, like interacting with me in a certain way because I I didn't smile very much. And so I was kind of like, huh, something like, yeah, something must be wrong or like something, you know, like I kind of started like looking for things like kind of like it started kind of reinforcing this kind of like Hmm, negative mm -hmm, affect mm -hmm. that I kind of generally have. Um, you know, whereas, uh, you know, conversely, like if you have a kid who's like very happy and very smiley, you know, adults are going to be like, not just their parents, other adults are going to be like, oh my gosh, like you're such a happy kid. You're having such a great time. Like, look at you. You're just on top of the world. Mm-hmm. And that kid's going to be like, yeah, like I am like, <laughs> yeah, everything is awesome. Like, you know, uh, and so they're going to develop more kind of behaviors, uh, and thoughts that are, um, kind of more positive and possibly like more extroverted and like less neurotic. Um, so uh, that's kind of what they what they mean by a learning process is that it's not like you're just locked in as soon as you're born. The way you interact with people kind of shapes obviously your your behaviors and your thoughts, and that's ultimately what makes up personality. Yeah, you have this sort of complex kind of innate reactions to the world, and then you have these even more complex interactions and feedback loops with all the people who are in it. That make, It does make a lot of sense. Um, I want to talk about some of the ways that people measure personality. You don't like the Myers-Briggs test, like in the, not you personally, but as a, as a journalist and, and social psychology uh, reporter, um, you think it doesn't tell you much. 
Yeah, so um, the Myers-Briggs is, like, very popular, and I'm not going to, like, crush people's, like, Myers-Briggs dreams. If, like, and this is really... sort of like, right, INTJ, <laughs> right? They, if you've, you might have heard people describe themselves. Sometimes you have to do this kind of stuff in the workplace even. Yeah, yeah. So this is like, you know, when you're, like, picking a career, like, it, I, I don't know. I first encountered it when I was, like, doing, you know, what career should you have, like, in high school, and they make you fill out whether you're like an INTJ or whatever. Um, and, and people put a lot of stock in that. So I'm not trying to like, like say, like tell anyone that like, they're not really like that or whatever. Um, but I think you are a little bit, Olga, just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, so the test doesn't have a ton of validity. Like it doesn't really, it's not very accurate. Like it doesn't, um, like most people kind of fall between the different categories. Um, or like if you retest the same person, uh, like over and over again, you'll kind of get different results and there's no real explanation for that. Um, so, uh, and, and kind of the reason for that is that it's, it's not really based on anything, um, scientific. It's based on these like very old psychological ideas uh, that there's like different types of people in the world. Um, and you have to like figure out what type you are. Mm. Um, and it was kind of pioneered by these two like parenting, like self-taught parenting experts, uh, in the early 20th century Mm. who, who didn't really have any training. So it's kind of just like one of those things that's like stuck around, uh, for a few years, even though um, there's not really a ton of evidence to support it. But there are ways to sort of accurately assess your personality, right? Or at least measure it at, at some point in time. Yes. So this is like kind of what's like now considered more scientifically accurate than uh, things like the Myers-Briggs um, is the five-factor test. Um, so it basically gauges your levels of those five traits mm. that I mentioned earlier. I will not rattle them off again, but people can find them in the whatever the show notes. Mm. Uh, but like, yeah, so it, it, it takes you through all these questions. Um, I, I list some of the questions in the article and that are like, you know, do you like going to parties? Uh, do you care about the needy? Um, do you believe you are better than others? Like, um, and kind of by answering lots and lots and lots of questions like this, uh, you can kind of start to get a good sense of like what you're generally like, according to these five factors. Um, and then it just tells you a range like you are more extroverted than 60 percent of people. So you're like mm-hmm. more extroverted on a- than average, you know, but maybe you're less agreeable than average. So it doesn't tell you you're like a certain type of person. It just tells you what your traits kind of where they rank compared to other people. I I took one of the tests that I think you took as well and scored uh, like 98th percentile on extroversion. Probably not a huge surprise to people who know me or have heard me on the radio. Uh, Extremely extroverted. Um, What is your personality like? Like what did you, when you took these tests and assessed yourself, what, what did you learn? Yeah. So um, I did have some good news, which is that um, I'm very conscientious uh, and I'm very open to uh, new ideas and activities. Um, So those are both good to have. Like people generally think those are positive things. Um, The things that were like less great in my view were that I was very low on extroversion. I was like uh, in like the 23rd percentile or something. Um, And like in particular, like they'll highlight like uh, which elements of it you're especially low on and it was like being friendly or cheerful (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um and then I was also very very high on neuroticism which is which is also kind of worrying um because that is really correlated with like 
a lot of, you know, kind of the stuff that we see therapists for, like, you know, depression and anxiety and things like that. Um, and then on agreeableness, which is just like kind of warmth and empathy, I was kind of in the middle, like I was, I was, I was pretty much average. So I was really looking to um, bring down that neuroticism, bump up the extroversion and agreeableness, like it kind of, you know, maybe bring it up slightly, but that was the one that, you know, it wasn't really clear that I was like too low. Yeah. You know, I did not get a very high score on conscientiousness and I and I want to improve that. I mean, I've known that for for a long time in in life. And so when we come back from the break, we're going to talk to Olga about the regimen that she gave herself. We're talking with Olga Hazan. She's a staff writer at The Atlantic and she's got a new story. I gave myself three months to change my personality. Uh, It's part of the Atlantic's March issue. Uh, It's all about how to find happiness. And there's an Atlantic event actually coming up May 1st through the 3rd in pursuit of happiness. You can find out about that at the Atlantic. And we'd love to hear from you. Have you ever tried to change your personality? Do you think you have a fixed personality or is it something that's really, you know, kind of changed uh, over your life? You can give us a call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You could also answer, what is one aspect about your personality that you'd like to change? Like conscientiousness for me. You can get in touch, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're KQED Forum. Or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Beth tweets at us, I like being an introvert, and I feel the idea of changing one's personality should be more about changing poor behavior, like being racist, sexist, mean, cruel, not one's personality. Another listener tweets, in these times, it's actually kind of refreshing that Miss Hazan doesn't seem to have tried MDMA, psilocybin, or microdosages of stronger psychedelics with appropriate assistive therapy. On the other hand, I place greater confidence in one of those actually working. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. Stay tuned for more after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking with Olga Hazan, staff writer at The Atlantic, about her new story. I gave myself three months to change my personality. So, Olga, you gave yourself this task, or you were given it by the editor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more like that. More like that. Uh, what do you do? How, where do you start to like start you know, getting your hands around this problem? Yeah, so there's been all these studies on, like, of course, mostly college students, because that's mostly who's in studies, um, uh, of people who have tried to change their personalities. Um, And basically, this professor, Nate Hudson, um, in Dallas, has made this kind of, like, 
well, it, he made it for a study, but it's like this program where you can take your personality test, like figure out what you want to change. So like you were low on, on conscientiousness, maybe you'd want to get higher. I wanted to get higher on extroversion. Um, and then you do all of these tasks that are basically like what a person who was high on those things would do or like do naturally. So like uh, for extroversion, like I was supposed to just like go out and talk to people and like party and make friends and like have fun, which is like not very natural. It was also challenging during COVID, but like, <laughs> but it was, you know, it was, it was like not my, my natural thing is just to like watch TV and like, you know, to like force myself to go out and like talk to people was, was a little unnatural. Um, you know, but the idea is that after you, you do these little activities and these little tasks, like over and over and over again, um, you actually, they kind of like become your personality. So you, you aren't really like a, uh, like, you know, this like hermetic recluse anymore, who's like forcing yourself to talk to people. You're someone who actually, kind of enjoys talking to people sometimes and like who's uh you know having a good time doing it and it is in effect like more extroverted um so that's kind of the idea and you can do that on all the different five factors we're talking with olga hazan staff writer the atlantic butter story gave myself three months to change my personality and we're curious have you ever tried to change your personality do you think you have a fixed personality or is it something that just over the course of your life has naturally changed for one reason or another? You can give us a call now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're KQED Forum, or you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. You know, there's kind of this core question here of whether personality is kind of fixed, right? I mean, as you get going on on your challenge and your adventure, like, did you think that you'd be able to shift some of these things? I mean, I was sort of skeptical starting out. Like, I, I, I kind of knew, like, I'd read all the studies and I saw that, like, um, you know, that personality, it's, it's malleable and people do tend to change over time naturally. Um, so I was like, okay, I could probably uh, do this, but I, I was still like a little bit like, I don't know, like, I'm kind of just, you know, I'm doing this for an article and like, I I just naturally, I'm like pretty skeptical. So I, I don't know. I was a little bit, uh, reluctant and, um, not really sure what would, what would happen. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it kind of seems tied a little bit to the broader issues in social psychology, right? I mean, you've been covering this field for, for a lot of years now and it's experienced some difficulty in sort of having its conclusions about various things kind of hold up, yeah? Yeah, and that was another thing is, like, I wasn't sure if, like, studies on college students would, uh, like, re- accurately reflect, like, what a 35-year-old woman would, you know, what would happen with mm-hmm. me. And, like, you know, even though, like, these are um, – a lot of the social psychology research has that has been kind of debunked um, has been like older work that didn't really like live up to the standards or like the methods that we have today. Um, and even though these were kind of newer studies and, and had been like kind of replicated by different um, authors, I was, yeah, I was a little bit, I had some skepticism that they would really work. Yeah. Well, and you also talked with a, a guy named Brent Roberts, a psychologist at University of Illinois at uh, Urbana-Champaign, who basically said that people seem to have a lot invested in the idea that their personality will not change, that they're like a kind of irreducible core to Mm -hmm. themselves. 
Yeah. And I think that like, it's, it's sort of like this common misconception that like, you just are a certain way. And like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of times people say like, especially after breakups or whatever, people will say, you know, people never change, you know, and it's, it's kind of this, um, this idea that like, you kind of just are the way you are, and there's literally nothing you can do about it. Um, but I actually think that's like, not a very hopeful idea. Like, I, I would like to think that there is something I can do about, you know, the stuff that I, you know, don't especially like, like my thoughts and behaviors that I, I'm not crazy about. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about this, your your process of faking it to make it. Like, how, how did it actually go to go do all the extroversion stuff? Yeah, so uh, for extroversion, um, I guess the big biggest ones for that were um, trying to make new friends as an adult, which is always mm-hmm. <laughs> a challenge. Um, and then the, the big one was um, actually an improv class that I signed up for. Um, that was the biggest surprise because I started out hating it and hated it like uh, almost entirely throughout the whole time. Um, but I'm actually still, I'm actually still doing it. Um, because I, uh, I came to really like it. Like I actually, uh, like really enjoy it and find it to be like a really fun break from the week. Um, so, um, that was a surprise to me. Uh, and, and yeah. And like, and so I basically just, you know, if someone was like, Hey, do you want to come meet me and like two people for whiskey? I'd be like, yeah, sure. Why not? And I would like go and like, meet new people and like make small talk and like um and then I would go to improv and act like this like outgoing lunatic um and um yeah, and slowly and- you became the outgoing lunatic yeah. <laughs> of my dreams yeah yeah like it kind of did work like it's kind of funny how like I, I kind of noticed that like a lot of times I I do more like telling myself that I won't enjoy something than I actually end up not enjoying you know what I mean like I kind of like the expectation is like a lot worse than the reality uh and so mm-hmm. it was it was honestly just kind of nice to to see that like um you know sometimes like I I can actually have fun <laughs> <laughs> let's bring in our first caller Margaret from Oakland welcome to the show thanks hi Margaret thanks for having me hi I wanted to just share that I, I, I both a both a yes and on whether we're, <laughs> our personalities are malleable or whether they are uh, fixed. In my experience, I, I worked a lot on um, developing a mindfulness practice, and it helped me be a better listener, mend mm. some relationships that weren't so great, and build some relationships in a more healthy manner. But I'm also kind of addressing uh, adult diagnosis with something that for my lifetime is, I've known to be true now that I know what it is, which is ADHD. Mm. And that's like pretty hardwired. And so I've been leaning into not shaming myself for some of the really basic uh, characteristics of that kind of wiring. Mm -hmm. So there's my yes and on that. What was your uh, mindfulness practice, just out of curiosity? Um, I started off with a a really low-key approach to a silent uh, silent meditation retreat that – allowed a little bit of talking during our, like, our yogi duties mm-hmm. on site. But it was a week-long thing, and I was really doing it because I needed to uh, heal a, a vocal cord issue. And I didn't even know anything about mind, mindfulness. And it became just, you know, meditation practice that was sort of sporadically practiced. But, it, like, really taught me a lot about how to calm the racing thoughts and be more present with people. Yeah. 
Well, hey, thanks for uh, sharing your story with us, Margaret. Really appreciate that. Thanks for having having me <laughs> taking my call. This is a great topic. Oh, thanks so much, Olga. Uh, I'm curious, you know, for people who might already be extroverted or excitable, like my like myself, would what would our task look like if we were to, you know, would I do silent meditation? Would uh, would I end up like writing a whole bunch of reminder notes to myself to be more conscientious? Like how how did it how would it work? Yeah. So you, um, so extroversion is, uh, correlated with happiness. Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily recommend that you try to become more introverted, um, unless you really want to be for some reason. Um, but, um, for conscientiousness, like, yeah, it kind of works the same way. So like, um, the, the tasks are like, um, like, you know, make a clear schedule for yourself and like stick to it or like, yeah, set reminders in your phone to like, you know, do various things on time. Like if you're, if you're supposed to, I don't know if you're like the kind of person who runs late, but if, if you do like, you know, give yourself like a 30 minute buffer and like, um, kind of like instill practices that are like sort of what, what a very conscientious person would be like, you know, declutter your house and like go through and organize everything. Um, uh, and I have talked to some people who were like chronically late or like very messy or disorganized and ended up, um, being able to change that just because like they saw that, like, you know, being chronically late, like they kind of were starting to get a reputation, <laughs> like kind of like, oh yeah, you know, she won't be here for 15 more minutes. Um, so it, it is possible to just like change that part of yourself if that's something that's important to you. Yeah. You know, uh, some of the comments coming in, um, I, I think probably as expected are, are really about not undervaluing introverts. Um, Raquel writes, why is there a cultural value placed on personality characteristics? Our culture places value on extroversion, but that sends introverts the message that they're lacking. Kimber, kind of from a slightly different angle, tweets, I've always been outgoing and extroverted. I have been told, though, that I am intimidating. I have a loud voice and strong opinions. Even though I smile constantly and greet everyone I pass, it's been a challenge to find the balance that the world seems to want me to find. And I think that's there's been a lot of media, at least, about sort of introverts kind of owning their place in the world um mm-hmm. why yeah why would you want to become less introverted i think is what our listeners want to know yeah i mean so first of all like i don't like if someone doesn't want to become less introverted i'm not gonna like come to their house and force them like uh i think that, <laughs> they would like, really hate that too so yeah that's yes. good <laughs> they're like please get away um no i mean i think that's totally valid and like i too and i'm in and i'm uh, am an introvert. So I don't, uh, I don't begrudge that. But um, I mean, I think like the reasons are, you know, are pretty obvious, like, especially in certain situations, like if you're giving a big presentation, you know, that's important to your work or to, you know, whatever, some project that you're working on, like, I think that's a good time to kind of stretch and try to be more extroverted. Or if you're like, going out and networking with the hopes of like getting a better job or if you're like trying to make new friends in like a new town or something like there's all these situations where like it helps to be like a little bit more of a people person um I guess like for those people like one thing that might be um uh, kind of a relief is like is Brian Little's work um who's this psychologist uh, who also writes about personality change Um, and he is an introvert and he kind of talks a lot about like how he thinks about being an extrovert for, for his classes, because like he has to teach all these undergrads and he's like, it makes me so nervous. And like, um, so he kind of has this idea that there's like free traits. So you can kind of like try on 
kind of these personality characteristics, Mm -hmm. even if that's not like your quote unquote true self. Like, so you can be an introvert, but like sometimes do stand up because that's like, like an ability that you have as a person. Um, And then what's important, um, according to Brian Little, is that you like retreat to these like restorative niches. So like after you, you know, whatever, do your karaoke set, you like (laughs) go home and like, you know, cuddle with your blanket and like your dog and like, you know, (laughs) have like your full introvert time. Um, uh, And I think that that makes sense. Like he kind of thinks that people, if they try to just become an extrovert forever and like uh, never give themselves a break, they can get kind of burned out, Um, which is, I think, what maybe some of these folks might be referring to. I think karaoke is my one exception to extroversion. I hate karaoke. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone who loves karaoke. I don't like it. Um, Frank from San Francisco, welcome to the show. Welcome. Uh, thank you. Good morning. Uh, I wanted to um, recount an uh, experience I had uh, on the job. And I got a new job as a traveling technician. And uh, my boss had uh, known me from where I had been working in the same place all the time. And he had known I was an introvert. And he told me, you will become an extrovert in this job. And I did not believe him. But um, I was uh, literally on a first-name basis with hundreds of people, which I hadn't experienced since high school. And uh, he was right. And I, and I became so accustomed from normally being an introvert to, to greeting people and uh, interacting with them. And, but I've kind of reverted back to being an extrovert, so, an introvert. So... Uh, it is something that I think personalities can change. Um, also, in another job related, actually earlier, I worked for this fellow who was very bad at keeping promises. And uh, I actually, I kind of had admiration for him. I was a young man, and uh, he was like a mentor, and I took on some of his bad trait. Huh. So. That's so that's so interesting, Fred, kind of the context-dependent nature of our, our personalities. Olga, I mean, in, in the research, it does seem like jobs really can change us, right? Thanks, Ray. Yeah, yeah. There was a, like this really interesting study that like people with stressful jobs became more neurotic, um, uh, which I think like ex- <laughs> I think a lot of journalists like <laughs> possibly have this uh, issue. Um, but yeah, like you're so yeah, your personality like it's it's very much shaped by like what you're doing every single day, and like so it doesn't surprise me that that caller felt himself becoming more extroverted because he was talking to all these people and getting to know them. Um, you know, like kind of like at a certain point you start getting better at it. Right. And you're like, okay, this is like what I do now. I guess I'm kind of extroverted. Um, so yeah, so it can work a little bit like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I it's funny, you know, as writers, you end up spending a ton of time by yourself. And one of the strangest realizations that I've had over time is just that all of the activities I do are solo activities, and yet I think of myself fully extroverted. You know, like I, I run and I write and I read. It's like all of these introverted uh, activities, and yet I love people and um, I love, you know, when callers call in. This has like been such a great outlet for that kind of extroversion. Um, Kathleen writes, uh, I learned long ago that I was introverted and that also a slow-to-warm-up child based on some great research done in the 60s. But I hated myself. I was chronically and severely depressed. Not fun to be around, started antidepressants, and those helped. Got sober in 1984, and my persona has changed a lot in the years since. In the last few years, I learned I'm on the autism spectrum and realized that many of the things I was desperate to change were just part of me. I don't always like it, but I am more comfortable with what I am. Understanding this has also loosened me up a lot. I'm more comfortable meeting people in small numbers, and I'm still an introvert, and I'm okay with it. 
What the, the question I have out of this is in these personality tests, there isn't a score for sort of self-awareness, you know, people's understanding of themselves and who they are being in their skin. That does seem like such a major component, though, of, of who we are. Yeah, I kind of I kind of agree with you. And a couple other people pointed that out um, after the article came out is that like, like that I should have had like my boyfriend, like taking tests about me, like and showing mm-hmm. how I change because I, I think I am pretty self-aware, but um, like, yeah, I, a, a lot of times it's, I mean, y- if you watch like one reality show, you get a lot of people who are like, I'm pretty much the best person here, you know? And like, not like a lot of people, you know, it's hard to see yourself clearly. And like a, a lot of these tests rely on you accurately judging whether you like parties or whether you like poetry, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so, so yeah, it would be, it would be better if you had like kind of um, other people rating you and like um, measuring like how you're, how you're changing along the way. Um, and by better, but, you mean terrible and worse, <laughs> but maybe better oh, for yeah, the story, like, but as a process, right, right, right. as a human. It would be more rigorous. Let me put it that way. Yeah. But bad for your marriage. Cause your partner would be saying like, you know, yeah, you're actually still really lame. Um, but, um, but yeah, but it would be more rigorous that way, but the, it's just like, there's not that kind of data, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anyone wants a 360 review at their house. Uh, (laughs) We're talking with Olga Hazan, staff writer at The Atlantic, about her new story, I Gave Myself Three Months to Change My Personality. And we're talking with you about your attempts to change your personality or being fine, just fine with yourself. Is there an aspect of your personality you would never like to have changed by circumstance or other things? Do you even think you have a fixed personality or is it something that's changed over your life? You can give us a call, 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. You know, Abe has a story here. Uh, I've always been an extrovert, but as a kid, I was bullied. At some point, I made a point to understand why. I sat in a tree waiting to be picked up, thinking about perception. I created a bunch of experiments and modulated how I behaved. I didn't become popular, but I was less bullied. Later, I found out that was called cognitive thinking. I'm not bullied as an adult. I do find myself needing adjustment. Thanks for sharing that with me. It sounds like a tough, tough times in childhood. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. We'll be back with more. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking with Olga Hazan, staff writer at The Atlantic, about her new story, both assessing and trying to change a little bit her personality. Wanted to bring in Simon from Mill Valley. Welcome to the show. Hi, Alexis. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead. Um, So, yeah, I I think there was a couple of the other calls that touched on this as well. 
I like this idea of malleability of personality. I think through my life, you know, I was very shy as a kid, um, become more, became more extroverted in my 20s and 30s. But uh, I've gotten older and had kids. Uh, I also feel I've got more introverted over the last few years. And I do think that change in environment, change in, you know, relationships and circumstances, life circumstances, definitely, I don't know whether it gives you opportunity to change or whether it, you know, forces you to think differently, but I, I like this idea of malleability and kind of growth mindset. Hey, thanks so much for that, Simon. So you know, just, the the uh, question I wanted to bounce uh, from that off you, Olga, is do, is there research on immigrant personality change or migrant personality change, you know, moving to an entirely different uh, country? Like, I feel like if I lived in the Midlands of England, I might be a slightly different person than I am in Oakland, California. Ooh, that's so interesting. And I am not sure, but one interesting study that I came across while I was researching this is that like, uh, sometimes like learning a language with like a different, like uh, a culture with like a different like extrovert or introvert connotation, like, so like, you know, like, so Spanish, for example, has like, it's a more extroverted language than like, uh finish um and uh uh sometimes that can actually make you kind of a little bit more like the personality of that culture so like um yeah if you learn some of the like romance languages uh like maybe that can make you a little bit more extroverted um but that's just one study that i saw but i i don't actually it would be hard to know that for sure because people like immigrate you know, everywhere and like from, mm-hmm. from everywhere. So right, right, there's right. probably not just like one immigrant personality. What about in, in your life experience though? Like, do you feel that the values that your parents had and sort of transmitted to you um, coming from Russia were, were in fact different from what you saw around you in like, you know, kids who had two you know, parents born into American culture? Oh, yeah. I mean, I I definitely think so. I mean, um, I guess like the biggest difference is that my parents weren't religious and I grew up around religious people hmm. um, who I would say were just like a lot more extroverted and agreeable um, uh, on average than my family was. Hmm. <laughs> like my parents kind of stick to themselves and like they're not super like trusting to of other people. Like they're never like the first to volunteer for like the PTA or whatever, (laughs) like, you know, but I grew up around all these like evangelical Christians who were like, yeah, come join us. And like, you know, um, so that was like a really big, uh, difference is just that, that, um, my parent, my family was not as like gregarious, um, as most of the people around us. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, you know, but at the same time, like there's other ways other than religion and, or like being from Texas to be, um, extroverted and, and agreeable. So I wouldn't say that it's like that. That's like the only thing that made the difference, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 Let's bring in Laura from Oakland. Welcome, Laura. Welcome, Laura. Hi. Hello. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Yeah, I call. I called in because I had the experience of actually changing my personality. I was extremely shy in high school, painfully so, didn't date, all of that. When I went away to college, I just by chance said to myself, I realized nobody there knew that I was shy. Hmm. So if I pretended not to be, they wouldn't know that I was shy. And that's what I did. And I changed my whole personality. I don't think anybody who knows me now would ever suspect that I was an introvert as a child. I just pretended that I wasn't. And did that feel 
comfortable or did you find yourself yes, kind of chafing? Well, I had to I had to consciously, you know, behave as though I weren't shy, which, of course, I knew how to do because I'd watched everybody else do it for all my all those years. <laughs> so I had to consciously do that. And and I don't honestly remember now how whether it was that difficult doing it. I don't. It was so long ago. I won't tell you how long ago that was. Um, but it worked. And I am no longer shy and, and haven't been for years. So I would encourage that technique. Pretend <laughs> that you're not shy if you don't want to be shy and see what happens. That's so interesting. Hey, thank you uh, for, for sharing that, Laura. I, you know, One thing I wanted to ask you, Olga, it seems like when we talk about personality, where things naturally go, and I don't know if this always was the case, but it definitely is the case now, that it... It goes along that introversion, extroversion axis, but there's a lot more to it, right? Within the within the context of your overall personality. So, why do you think that there's such an attraction to the that introversion, extroversion axis? <laughs> um, I feel like so. I feel like the other ones, like neuroticism, like basically no one wants to be more neurotic. Um, <laughs> Uh, like agreeableness, like I could say, like some people might be like, ah, I'm too much of a doormat. Like I should be like stick up for myself more, but like, it's generally seen as a good thing. Um, you know, openness, like a lot of people really want to be like open to whatever, uh, conscientiousness, obviously everyone wants to like meet all their deadlines. Um, I feel like introversion and extroversion is the only one where it's like, um, not really a value judgment either way. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. especially after like Susan Cain and quiet and everything, like, she really made the case that like being introverted is, is a valid way to be. And it, and it, it totally is like, it's not a personality flaw. Um, but you know, it, it just, there just is this other like opposite of it that just is, you know, mm-hmm. correlated more with like, you know, living in a capitalist society and like <laughs> needing to like interact and like razzle dazzle people in order to succeed. Um, so I think that's the one where people feel like a little bit hurt if, if, you know, um, if someone says like introversion, you know, you should change that or, or work on it or something. Mm, that's interesting. Let's bring in Ruby to the show. Welcome, Ruby. Hi. Yeah. I wanted to just, as quickly as I can, cause I can talk a lot. Um, I think my introversion is directly connected to my confidence. Hmm. I am, I am, I, you know, I think you can tell I have a lot of energy. I'm an extrovert. Many people think I am, and and I do too. But I go in and out um, Mm -hmm. as needed. So I came here when I was seven or eight from another country. I immigrated here, so I was young. And and that's the best time to learn about who you are and how things work. And so I think I gained a lot of my confidence that way because I was able to see the cause and effect like, oh, look at that. I can do this. I can do that. I can do that. But now I'm way over 65, almost 70. And yeah, I go back and forth, uh, you know, uh, mainly on confidence. Hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, as I'm getting older, you know, I'm starting to wonder, oh, my God, you know, I'm older. And yeah, our looks change, you know. And so I'm in that I'm in that uh, part of my life where I'm questioning like, oh, wow, you know, I'm not where I where I used to be. And yeah, it's an adjustment. I'm assimilating again. This is a brand new a brand new chapter for me to learn. It's almost like going back to when I was a kid, I'm assimilating into something I don't know anything about. So to me, when I'm confident, oh my God, I'm an an extrovert. But when I feel, uh, but here's the good thing. Um, You know, when I don't know something and I really want to know, 
I go for it and I learn it and I become an extrovert about it. That's so interesting. Thank you for that, Ruby. I, you know, Olga, I'd love you to reflect on that. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense to me that when people are feeling good about themselves and feeling, you know, lovable and likable in the world, that they would reach out to other people more easily, uh, whether or not, you know, they're more, whether or not their innate introversion changes, it might just make some of those things easier. Is that what the research shows too? Or is that just kind of another piece of discredited folk wisdom? Yeah, well, I think what what she's saying really makes a lot of sense. And like when I so like at the end of my um, experiment, like spoiler alert, like my my extroversion did increase. But when I kind of ran that like finding by some of the experts that I had been talking to, um, they kind of said that like the thing that makes a personality trait, especially something like introversion or extroversion, um, kind of a problem is when you kind of can't change it based on the situation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like, if you're just like so committed to being an introvert that you will absolutely never like go to a job interview, you know, or like you, you cannot be at a, you know, baby shower or something like that. Like that is going to be something that's going to hold you back a little. Um, but if you're like, okay, well I'm an introvert, but you know, just today I'm going to go to this, you know, baby shower because a lot of important people are going to be there that are important to me. And, um, you know, I want to, I want to like talk to them and, and hang out with them. Um, that's kind of like what psychologists see is like a more of a healthy way of being where you can, like be more flexible and adaptable. Um, so I think what that caller uh, describes actually like totally uh, makes sense and is like an A plus in the uh, personality <laughs> change literature. Yeah. Um, Amy writes, my, pandem- my pandemic silver lining is I transformed into an extrovert after being a lifetime introvert. A year plus of being mostly alone led me to plenty of self-reflection time. I learned I like myself and I have value and now I have an increasing number of things to talk about. Seriously, I talk nonstop now with full-throated enthusiasm, even if I'm home alone. This is such an unbelievable transformation for me. I'm truly enjoying it and also sort of reminding myself at times to tone it down as needed. It's really fun knowing both sides of the coin. I may be more of a balance of both as I still enjoy a lot of quiet alone time. I wanted to ask you about what you think or what the literature says about how the pandemic and this kind of you know, kind of societal trauma that we've been through might change the way that people see themselves and their personalities. Yeah. So this is where the, the news is not like, um, like uplifting necessarily. Um, so there, I was like interested in this, like, okay, so are we, you know, after the pandemic, so many people have been so stressed out and traumatized, um, you know, for so long is it at least going to make our personalities better? Um, and the answer is, we don't really know, like on average, like, um, and possibly not, like, there's not really a ton of evidence that, uh, you know, when something really bad happens to you, that you become like a better person. Um, you, you might like to think that about yourself and like, that's a totally valid way to think. Um, but there's, there's not evidence that you actually like necessarily get more extroverted or more agreeable or something like that. Um, and also, like, it's worth remembering that, like, the pandemic has been really different from for everyone. Like, um, you know, parents of young children have had a very uh, different experience than childless people like me, um, you know, and, and people who have service jobs have had, a you know, an even more different experience. So so it's hard to say, like, oh, yeah, after the pandemic, we're all going to be introverts or extroverts because, like, we've all kind of had it differently. And there's not really clear evidence that it's going to change us one way or another. Mm-hmm. 
You know, another listener writes, the pandemic gave me a chance to spend a lot of time alone. And as a result, I am much happier and much more productive, too. I realized that I'd spent a lot of years just simply over trying, trying to please other people, comparing my social life to those of others, trying to be more social than I actually wanted to be. I realized I wasn't spending my time developing my own interests. It's a great joy to do that now. I don't need to know a million people, and I'm happy that I'll now have more to share with those I love. Um, I actually resonate with that uh, comment, but I also find that when I am around other people, I do find that I have like a little more social anxiety. It's like I, I don't know how to act around people anymore, I think is the joke on, on Twitter, but I went to one of the first events that uh, I went to during the pandemic was like at a library and they had stretched and they actually had like drinks in the library and I just immediately dropped my cup to the floor <laughs> out of just kind of like a general jitteriness around seeing all these yeah. all these people. And I have, I, I've noticed it really with my kids too, even like going to like pick up food they see people and they're like a little like, wait, that's a lot of people in this room. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you've been tracking that at all, just like the kind of societal scale differences, even, you know, between different areas that have had very different approaches to the pandemic. Yeah, that's so interesting. I, I really wish I had some study that's like, well, in Denmark, like, you know, um, <laughs> I, I don't off the top of my head. I can say anecdotally that like, that is totally something I've experienced too. Like I have already had like social anxiety. Um, and then I, I remember like the first, like between Delta and Omicron where we thought things were going to be okay. I went to a party and I was like, normally I'm like fine, like whatever, I'll have a beer and I'll like talk to my friends and then I'll leave. But I, I started to feel just like a, a lot of like panic and kind of shakiness just mm-hmm. about like being in a, place with a lot of other people and like I sort of like how do I talk to something that's not the tv like you know, <laughs> like it's like very you know you're kind of having to relearn all those skills um and sort of I don't know that that to me kind of jived with my like little self-improvement project because like I did find that like you know reaching out to random people and trying to be their friend like it got easier like the third time I did it as opposed mm. to the first time when I was like oh, where am I gonna park what am I going to wear? You know, like kind of like uh, overthinking everything. So I, I do think we're going to have a little bit of a like awkwardness grace period, probably. Yeah. Let's <laughs> hope so. Or it'll just yeah. be super awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Alan writes, note how many personality based dating apps are based on the assumption that people seek a partner who is like their own personality. Based on a successful 30-plus year marriage and then dating for several years after my wife passed away, I conclude that sometimes the best relationships are between people who are somewhat unalike in their core personality traits, so they nicely complement each other, balance each other, and challenge each other. And I just kind of wanted to, to conclude with sort of the subtext of your story, which is you know, your relationship with your partner and wanting to you know, I- I- improve things, it seemed like, within that mm-hmm. context as well. Um, do you think that it had a major impact even to just do the kind of fake it till you make it regime? I, I honestly think it did. So I asked him at one point whether he thought I was different and he said, yes. Um, so there's your 360 <laughs> review. <laughs> um, uh, and he, he, he was like, I feel like you're like more calm and like more grateful about things. Um, uh, you know, but then I was like, I don't know, can I really trust that? Because he's like very unlike me. He's very like optimistic and like 
just like down for whatever and like <laughs> relaxed. Mm -hmm. So he was like, yeah, totally. Like you're totally getting better. Like, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, but I, I did want to improve my, you know, I, I felt like I was like always like very tense and like, I, I would always get like very angry with him very easily. And I was like, I don't really like this. So mm -hmm. I felt like I definitely learned some tools, um, to, to kind of simmer down <laughs> in the moment uh, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> well, and do you think that, you know, long-term relationships, you know, you, you it's harder to do this sort of directed change, volitional change, I think is what they call it in literature, right? But aren't we just changed by the people that we spend, you know, 5, 10, 15, 50 years with? Oh yeah, like um so there's there's actually some some nice um studies, I guess nice if you're like in a relationship that show that like getting into a romantic relationship actually makes you less neurotic. Um hmm. and I think it's just because like it's uh like generally like having like positive regard, you know, as long as it's like a good relationship, like having positive regard and having someone who, you know, thinks you're good and that your ideas are good, like it's it has like a positive effect on personality. Yeah. Wanted to also give a shout out to a few people who have uh, commented uh, and called in to talk about Enneagrams. Um, if uh, Kathy writes, are you familiar with the Enneagram, a personality system that breaks people down into nine basic types with several layers of subtypes? I found it to be very accurate and even profound as a way to identify and understand personalities and have used it to change myself for the better. Olga, just before we go, would you recommend that people are kind of interested in this stuff, that they look at stuff like Enneagrams or something else? I am not too familiar with Enneagrams. Um, I, I just haven't, but I, I also would not like stop anyone from like, I'm not <laughs> the boss of anyone. Um, but uh, what I would recommend is like maybe looking into the, um, the test that's linked to in the story, um, just because that's the one that seems to come up the most uh, in research and seems like it has the best validity. All right. Which I think is at personalityassessor.com, right? Yeah, like rolls right now. Just kidding. It, yeah. It's like it's like very clunky, but yeah, personality assessor. Personalityassessor.com. Um, we've been talking with Olga Hazan, staff writer at The Atlantic, about her new story. I gave myself three months to change my personality, and it seemed like it actually kind of worked. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Olga. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, and thanks to all of you for sharing your stories about introversion, extroversion, and how you've changed through life. We really appreciate it. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This has been Forum. Stay tuned for another hour ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising-Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. 
Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.